I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome to the MVP show. Today we're speaking with Stephen from Belgium. He's a MVP specializing in Business Central and Power BI. And we discover his journey to becoming an MVP, his career, writing books, and uh, life in Belgium. Now, let's get on with the show. But before we do, nz365guy.com forward slash 213 is where you can find the show notes for this episode. Stephen, welcome to the MVP show. Hi, Mark. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. Great to have you here. Now, tell us about where you're located in the world. Um, I'm located in, the, in Belgium, which is a, a small country in between France, Holland, and uh, Germany. Right. Famous for its beer. Is that right? That beer and, and chocolates and good foods and uh, all of the bad things. <laughs> What's the best thing in your mind about living in Belgium? Well, the, the greatest thing is the, the culture and the, the people, because we are a small country. Uh, we uh, actually, inside of our country, are all divided in, in separate parts. So we have to speak multiple languages. We're normally pretty tolerant uh, for different cultures. So it's a really nice country to live. What are the different languages? Um, well, the, the official languages are uh, Flemish or, or Dutch, which is actually the same, French and uh, German. And most people also speak, uh, speak English. In visiting Belgium, what's the best places to go to? Well, of course, there are the very touristic places like uh, Brussels or Antwerp or uh, Bruges. Uh, but if you don't, if you would like an experience with a little bit less tourists, but also similar, I would advise to go to Ghent, uh, which is very similar to uh, to Bruges, but with less tourists. And if you go a little bit more to the, the south, which is also a really nice uh, region, uh, the, the Ardennes, uh, there are some pretty nice villages to think. You can go for a walk and combine culture and, and good food. Yeah, I've, I've visited Belgium, would have been last year, I think, or the year before. And um, well, I was living in the United Kingdom and uh, it was beautiful, lovely country. Um, uh, I very, very much enjoyed my time there. Uh, so listen, Stephen, where, what, what's your kind of specialty in, in the Microsoft business applications ecosystem? What do you specialize in? I'm actually specialized in Business Central and uh, Power BI. I've always been more of a, of a technical person when it comes to uh, to IT, uh, and I like to uh, to develop uh, in Business Central. And I would prefer to focus on on creating very nice looking reports and analyzing data. And uh, Power BI is also a really really nice tool to uh, to use. Okay, okay. So how, how did you get in? I take it was Dynamics NAV you started in, and how did you you get on your business central journey? Um, it was actually quite a long time ago. I have, I have been working in IT for about seven or eight years, um, and 
I was doing anything but uh, uh, NAV. So I was typically working for quite big companies where we developed ERP systems from uh, from scratch. So a small project there would have been one to three years, then the next project and so on and so on. And then I met uh, someone, uh, Vincent, uh, on, on a project, a very nice guy, and we, we kept in touch. And at a certain moment, he started a company in, uh, in Belgium called uh, Platan, uh, together with, uh, with Koen. Uh, and they were looking for a third person who was more technical. And then he contacted me, and then I got, I, I got introduced uh, into the NAV world, and I really loved it from the, from the beginning. Okay, so how long, how long has that company been running now? Um, Latin Patan started in about 2004, so it would be 15, 16 years right now, yeah. Wow, wow, that's an incredible long time. And so I, I see, think about IT, what, what's, what's that organization? Uh, well, that's my my own company because I'm, I'm a freelancer. Um, I, I, I raised, I created my, my company, which is called Think About It or Think About IT, which I thought was a very nice name. Um, which is also part of of, of Platan. Yep. Okay. Okay. And so, what's that? The, what's the focus of that company? Uh, well, it's actually uh, consulting uh, in the ERP area, Business Central uh, reporting, uh, and actually combining the real consulting, but also uh, training and teaching. Okay. Okay. So I, I noticed that you do. You're a Microsoft certified trainer. Um, how how much? you know training are you are you doing what and and how does that play a key role in your career um well it all started out with the idea of a 50 50 uh so the idea was to do 50 percent of the time training and 50 percent of the time consultancy but actually it, it, it depends a little bit on 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 the season sometimes it can go to to 90 percent training uh, sometimes it can also go the other way but uh, i like the combination of uh, of all of these things and and is it just focused on business central, or you do you do broader than than when it comes to training? Um, I, I go broader. Uh, I also do uh, Power BI, uh, for which I, I deliver trainings for companies using Business Central, but also companies using something completely different. Uh, um, in the past, I also did some some other reporting tools on uh, on SQL Server. Um, it's usually reporting or development related. The latest years is more focused on uh, on Business Central then. Mm, mm, mm. So, you know, I, I have, I'm hearing a lot about Business Central. In fact, I just got messaged yesterday and somebody was asking my advice around on LinkedIn. Is Business Central going to be, you know, one of Microsoft's big, large products in the ERP space, along with, you know, Dynamics 365 um, operations and finance side of things? What are your, what are your thoughts on, on where the future is for Business Central? Well, I think it's actually pretty pretty good um, because a Business Central, uh, as you all know, has evolved from the old Dynamics NAV product, which has been the number one ERP system for small and medium-sized companies. And what many people think when they talk about Business Central or, or Dynamics NAV is that it's more for smaller companies. But my personal experience is that that's, that is true, but it's also quite a good product for medium and even bigger sized companies. So from my point of view, what Microsoft has done now with the, the, the change towards Business Central, making it a SaaS application, uh, refactoring the uh, the base up, investing a lot of, uh, of, of time and resources in, in doing so, I think that the product is getting better and better and better every day. And I think it has a really, really good uh, future. Um, I, I would say it, 
it has the chances to become, let's say, the number one ERP product within the whole Dynamics 365 group of, uh, of products. Wow, interesting. Tell me about um, integration with things like Power Apps and Power Automate. Is, the, is there a good story there? Are you seeing customers use um, Power Apps and Power Automate or even Power Virtual Agents with Business Central? It's starting. Um, um, you see a lot of interest from many different companies uh, and, and business consultants trying to figure out what is this uh, power suite thing and, and how can I use that? Because the, the low code uh, uh, is, gets a lot of interest, um, but it's starting out. Most companies started out with, uh, with Power BI and because it's actually pretty easy to, to link it to Business Central. And now companies are also slowly starting to figure out Power Automate and, and how to create Power Apps. And I think the reason why that, that took a little bit longer is because they had to wait a little bit before the, the API was uh, was ready. And, and now it is, and I know you see some, some traction on, uh, on that. So tell us a bit about Power BI, because you, you spend a lot of your time in that as well, with your SQL background as well. When you go into a customer or, or on a project and they need reporting, how do you approach um, you know, business intelligence with the customer? Well, there are two different approaches. Uh, on, on, on the one hand, you can have a customer who contacts you and, and they say, okay, we have this application that might be Business Central or another or a combination of, of data sources. And they say, I would like to create a report. And then I try to uh, understand what are the reporting needs. So what do you want to see? What do you want to do? And based on that, I do an analysis of the kind of data model we'd like to create and then build build it and, and, and the, the reports. But that's an approach which is actually valid for, let's say, 60 to 80 percent of the customers. But what I really prefer is if you can do it the other way around. Because traditionally, when you think about reporting, it comes at the end of an implementation. But what many partners actually forget when they sell, for example, Business Center or any ERP system, is that you should think about reporting from the beginning. When a partner goes to a prospect and they would like to sell Business Central, they're typically going to explain how Business Central processes work, how you can adapt them to the processes running in the company, and this is how you can enter data in the system, and so on and so on. That's actually not really what the customer is interested in. The customer is actually more interested. What if I buy Business Central? How am I going to be able to look at my data? What reports am I going to get? For my personal opinion, I think a partner should use that approach. For example, if you go the Business Central way and then you have these Power BI reports, you'll be able to do this and that. And, and I think that's a, a much better approach. You, you've got a thing called Business Central Booster, and I see it's around case-based learning. Can you explain that to me? Um, yes, I can, of course. Business Central Booster is a, is a website and a project that we have developed at, uh, at Platan. Um, and it's kind of a, of a learning management uh, system where the idea right now is to get a, a functional consultant onboarded with uh, Business Central. So there are different tracks that you can follow. But imagine you start from zero. Uh, you don't know anything about Business Central. You've never implemented an ERP. Then our idea was, well, there was quite a lot of learning material online available from Microsoft Learn, lots of blogs in the documentation and so on. But it's all very, very scattered. And we thought, OK, let's create a learning tool from the point of view uh, of a functional consultant which actually confronted with doing an implementation. So it's actually case-based. You start with a real case. You need to implement this customer. You're going to learn about that customer. And then we're going to use Business Central. And 
along the way, you're going to learn how to do that implementation. So we try to build that as, as close to real life as, as, as possible. And then we use a combination of, of the available materials on Learn and Docs. Uh, we have some pre-recorded webinars and videos, and we also do some some live webinars. So when someone, for example, starts the program, and they will get an introduction, they start the, to build on, uh, on the case. There is a forum where they can ask questions. There are some, some, some MVPs and trainers helping them out. We try to make it as practical as, uh, as possible. Right now, it's mainly uh, focused on functional consultants, and we're very uh, close to also starting to develop a, a technical program, one for developers and also one for, for Power BI developers. Wow. Okay. Okay. And so with COVID-19 happening around the world, have, have you been traditionally doing a lot of your training in classrooms? And, and now, how are you managing that in, in this current situation? A very good question. Um, in the past, it was actually mainly classroom instructor-led uh, training uh, where we invited customers to come over and, and then we did the traditional training. There were also some, some virtual trainings and webinars that we, that we were doing, but we were noticing that in Belgium and Europe, it was quite difficult to get that rolling. Um, I know with the, the whole situation, um, we actually had to, to close the classrooms and we all started to work from uh, from home and we switched over completely 100% uh, to online trainings and, 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 and webinars. And actually it's going pretty, pretty good. In the beginning, we were a little bit afraid if we would have the same experience and if we could deliver the same quality, uh, but actually the the feedback, well, until now was very, very positive and I, and I like doing it. Of course, you, you miss a little bit the the real life contact with uh, uh, participants, but it's actually going pretty pretty well. And we're hoping that we will be able to continue to do it also after the whole crisis is, uh, is resolved, so to speak. So that's interesting. So do, have you worked out that you think that you will go forward in an online only um, model with webinars and things like this rather than go back to classroom um, after this this has passed? Um, well, personally, for my, personally, I would like to continue to be able to deliver virtual training. Of course, we're going to reopen the classrooms because there are some customers for whom that's, that's not an interesting way to follow uh, uh, trainings. And I think we're going to try to combine them. But the focus, I think, is going to shift. And I think um, a lot of companies are also experiencing the, the advantages of being able to follow uh, online uh, webinars. So you don't have to, uh, let's say, get out of bed and then spend two hours of time in, in traffic and get all, all wind up. And too late in the office, um, so it, it, it's uh, yeah, it's a really nice way, uh, and we're also able to deliver uh, the same kind of of, of material and, and quality. So there are lots of advantages. And if we can, I would like to continue doing that. Yeah. Nice, nice. So, so tell me a bit about your journey to becoming an MVP. Well, it was actually quite quite unexpected. I'd been working for for a long time. Uh, uh, for many years in, in, in the business center or the NAV uh, world, and I was delivering uh, a lot of uh, uh, of trainings. I also did some some presentations on on certain uh, uh, conferences, um, and then suddenly I, I got a, a, I was nominated by by Kurt Uveins uh, from uh, from Microsoft. Um, I got that uh, that email. Uh, and then a couple of months later, I was informed that I made the cut and I became an MVP. I was really surprised to to suddenly be among that group of of gurus. Uh, I felt like, I, and I still feel sometimes I'm a little bit out of place uh, being amongst the gods, uh, sort of speak. Uh, but it's it's really really good experience. I'm really grateful of of being a part of that. So, how many years have you been an MVP now? Uh, I think it 
would be about four years. I think it was first rewarded in in uh, twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're right in that space where I am at the moment, which is waiting to see whether you get renewed for the coming year, right? Correct, correct. I'm I'm, I'm waiting, and if I, I get renewed, it would be the the fifth year, which is kind of a jubilee. Would be would be really really nice, but don't know if it if it will happen because last year I wasn't able to do a lot of of conferences, but but we'll wait and 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 see. I'm hopeful, but I have to wait and see. Yeah. So so when it when it comes to MVP contributions, is is your main thing public speaking or is there other um, contribution channels that you use? It's a combination. I have a, a blog where I try to share some uh, some knowledge and tips and, and, and uh, how do I. Uh, it's, of course, speaking at, at, at conferences. I'm also helping out monitoring um, a, a number of, uh, of, of people. In the past, I've also written a, a book about reporting. Um, and, and I still have some plans of maybe writing a, a book about about Power BI, uh, but right at the moment I'm always postponing it. And, and the, the reason is that last time it took me more than a year to to write a book, and uh, okay, that's okay. Uh, but if it would take me the same time again, then by the time the book is released, I can st- start all over again because Power BI is evolving so quickly. <laughs> So, so, so that's interesting. It took you over a year. I've always got tremendous respect for people that write, you know, books and, and especially technical books because the effort have in hindsight, I mean, you're considering writing another book. You, you must've found it beneficial or, or, or what was that journey like for you of writing that book? Um, well, it's something I, I, I had in my head to uh, to do for a long time, but never got around to it. And I was contacted by the uh, the publishing company, and they asked me to write a, a book, which I did. And then actually, a couple of years later, they asked me to uh, to update it. And then I said, I, I won't update it. I want to rewrite it completely. Uh, and then I, the second time was actually better because then I really did it how I wanted to uh, to do it. it. Took me a lot of time and efforts every weekend, every evening. Um, it was something I wanted to do. It's, uh, uh, so yeah, it, it, it was great to be able to do it, but it's, it's not something that uh, you do every uh, year. At that time, I was also single, so that, that also helped out. So no one no one was angry when I was uh, every evening and then the weekends after my on my little laptop. So. <laughs> um, so, so what is your process from going, okay, I'm going to write a book like uh, you know, what's your process from laying down the chapter to, you know, length of chapter, how you flow through it? What's what, If you were to explain book writing to somebody, and, and we're talking about technical book writing, how would you explain it? It's never as you plan or as you expect. It's like an implementation of Business Central, so to speak. Uh, in the beginning, you have this table of contents in, in your head or you try to think about the table of contents and you say, this is what we're going to do it. And then you start. And then while you are writing, typically how, how it goes is that and you divide the book in, in multiple chapters. And once the chapter is finished, it goes to the uh, the editor and to some reviewers. And there are also some, some content reviewers. And typically when it comes back, there are some very good questions and remarks. And then you start to think, yeah, they're right. And maybe I should do that a little bit differently. And, and then you, you start to rethink the whole uh, uh, table of contents. Uh, but you still need to uh, uh, be on track or be on time to be able to deliver the next chapter. And by the by the time you have written the book, you say, ah, that's really nice. But actually, now I would like to completely rewrite it. But of course, you can't. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's a 
frustrating sometimes or, or stressing, but once once you're ready, you have this enormous uh, feeling of of, of proudness of, of uh, having constructed something, even if it's also a book. <laughs> but uh, yeah. How many hours do you think it took you all up to write um, your first book? Um, I would say I, I had it was a whole week, uh, twelve months, uh, let's say eleven months, uh, three weeks per month, every evening, a uh, couple of, yeah. and then on the weekend, Saturdays and Sundays. So it was a lot of time, really a lot of time. Yeah, but I wanted to do it right. Um, yeah, yeah. And was the fa- financial payoff with writing a book worth it? No, not really. It's not something that you have to do for for the money. Most of the percentages go to the uh, the editor or the publisher. Uh, okay, you, you get some, you get an advance, and you get paid something. But it, it's not something you have to do for the money. There, there are much much better ways of uh, of doing that. Um, but it, it's nice. But on the other hand, it also opens uh, a door. So you, you, by being a, a book writer, it's also something you can sort of, sort of speak, put on your resume, and, and, and it helps you also during during training. And that was always my, my idea. I had been delivering trainings for for many years, and I said I, I would like to be able to 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 put that real life experience in a book. Very good. Well, it's been interesting talking to you and our time has flown. So I always like to wrap up with a few random questions. So are you ready for these random questions? All right, go ahead. Okay, here's the first one. You walk into a cafe. What's the your favorite drink you order? Hmm. Depends a little bit on, on, the, uh, on the weather. I'm actually a fan of, of a very nice beer. Here in Belgium, there's a, a lot of choice. So I would go, let's say, for a, a Duvel or something like uh, something similar. But it can also happen that, that, that I would go for a very nice glass of, of red wine. So it really nice. depends on the, on the mood and the weather. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Would you rather date someone you met online or go on a blind date? Well, maybe I would go for, for, a, for a blind date. Yeah. Nice, nice. What's your favorite board game? Uh, I like to play chess, actually. I'm not very good at it, but it calms me down and it helps me focus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Now, the next question is, Is what is one of the things that frustrates you? Um, or, you know, just it's one of those things that, you know, uh, irritates you. So for me, you know, it might be people chewing loudly with their mouth open or something like that. What's the one pet peeve that you have um i'm looking for the correct word but when people are um i'm looking for the words um because once i was on a project in in uh, in barcelona for for six months where uh, it's a very big city but many cultures everybody's really open Uh, and then i came back to belgium people are more more closed and more reserved and and kind of afraid sometimes of other cultures and and other people and that sometimes frustrates me when when they meet someone they have never seen before and just by the look of that person or the the color of their skin they they presume he or she might be this or that while that that frustrates me that's there's a word for that but i can't seem to be able to uh, what's one thing you did uh that you wish you could go back and change Hmm, that's a very, very good question. I uh, can't really think of, of something. Maybe uh, moving over more early to the dynamics and AVR business and world, because I, I've been the first 10 years of my career writing ERP software from, from scratch, because I didn't, I'd never heard about that. But on the other hand, that also give, gave me some skills and experience that really helped me. So 
Final question. If you could create one holiday for the entire world, what would the holiday be for? Um, well, maybe it would be very nice to have a, a, a worldwide holiday to celebrate the end of the COVID crisis. Uh, if, if that ever happens. <laughs> yeah, so true. So true. Stephen, it's been great to have you on the show. Before you go, if people want to connect with you online, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on uh, thinkaboutit.be, where I have my personal blog, or you can go to platan.tv. Um, and then you'll be able to find all of the, the contact information. Hey, thanks for listening. If you've heard of the 90-day mentoring challenge and wondering what it's all about, go over to my website at nz365guy.com forward slash 90daymc or just go to nz365guy.com and click on mentoring in the menu. It is a free mentoring challenge that I run for 90 days and it's open to anybody anywhere in the world. I try and match time zones so that you can participate and be fully involved in it. So I'd love to get you involved if that's of interest. Full show notes for this episode can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 213. See you next time.